You know, there are moments in life when a picture becomes very clear. And I had one of those moments in the last couple of days while I was preparing for what I was going to talk to you about. And it, it's those moments in which uh, things that you've always known, or at least known for a long time, all of a sudden you see the connections between the things. And that's what I, I had. So the best way to present this to you is to do it chronologically um, in the order that the dots got connected. Allow me to explain. One of the things that you all have known for a while, any of you who come here regularly, is that I, I really get a lot of enjoyment out of um, doing etymology, etymological research, the, the source of words. And there are words that I have discovered, simple words in the Christian tradition, that have been a tremendous amount of um, um, benefit to my spiritual life. One of those words is the word worship, which I've said to you many times, the etymology of it, but I'll repeat it for anybody who's new. The word worship is um, a very simple word. The, the suffix ship is, means the art, or practice of anything. So for example, you have penmanship, craftsmanship, authorship. I mean, you can go on and on with the ship. The art or practice of anything. Then you have <coughs> what's left is the, the little piece in the beginning, W-O-R. And W-O-R is actually the shortened version of the word worth, W-O-R-T-H. And so what you have is the etymology of the word worship ends up to be the art or practice of worth. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means basically the art or practice of making sure that you have things in their, in their proper order according to what's worth more than other. So the things that are worthwhile, you put them at the top and you make sure that other things that are not worth it go at the bottom, okay? And so when you come to Mass to worship God, what you're actually doing, regardless of whether you're saying the rosary or whether you participating in the Eucharist or singing or whatever you're doing in church, you're worshiping God, you are saying you are at the top of what is worthwhile for me. And I want to practice so that as I go through life, I make sure to keep you at the top of what is worth. So that's the first, I've had that insight for quite a while. But then I was listening to the gospel for this Sunday, and all of a sudden, it just it, it, it came to me. 
Think about what Jesus is doing. Think about what, what happens between Martha and Mary. Let's go through it and then analyze it. But and let's analyze it from the perspective of worship. Analyze it from the perspective of worship. And what, do you, what happens? Mar Jesus walks into Mary and Martha's house. And Martha begins, she's in the kitchen. She is, oh, oh I, I, I've got a, a dignitary. I've got the Lord in my house. And so I'm fixing this, I'm fixing that. She's doing everything. And then all of a sudden, she notices that her sister is not doing anything. Her sister is sitting down, listening to Jesus, and she's got to do everything. And she comes up to Jesus with, it's interesting because I, I, I hear this so much as pastor. Uh, she comes up to Jesus with this sentence, Lord, do you not care? Now, the reason I said I hear this all the time is I, because people come up to me and say, Father, do you not care that, 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 and then they put, they put everything there, okay? But this time, do you not care that my sister is leaving me everything to do? And then she says to Jesus, basically, make it right, Jesus. Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. Okay? Now, interesting, because when Jesus responds, a lot of times people can misinterpret what Jesus responds to. Jesus is not responding to the fact that um, you, you, nobody should ever help anybody else in doing the dishes or in, uh, you know, washing the clothes or cleaning the house. It's not what, what Jesus is saying. Notice the focus of Jesus. The focus of Jesus is critiquing what Martha is worried and upset about many things. What Jesus is concerned about is not picking Mary sitting down or, uh, or uh, her sister Martha doing stuff. She's, Jesus is concerned about what she is anxious and upset about. And then she says, he, Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better part and she shall not be deprived of it. What did he just say to her? Mary has put listening to me and making sure that that is of the ultimate worth more than serving. And Martha, you've got it exactly upside down. If you view that from the perspective of worship, what, what Jesus has just told Martha is a lesson in worship. Because what the problem with Martha is that she's got her worship hierarchy upside down. The better part is not about not doing work. The better part is 
listening to Jesus and giving that greater worth than the housework. Now, all of a sudden, if you start looking at it from the perspective, I don't know what's going on with this, but from the perspective of worship, notice what Jesus has just did. He is giving Martha a listen in worship. And so it struck me, what if I started to look at the rest of the New Testament through the lens of that definition of the, word, of the etymology of the word worship. And all of a sudden I started saying, my goodness, it's all about worship. How many things that just came to my mind? For example, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? What is that a lesson on? Worship. What's worth more? Your life? Or is, worth, is it worth more all the wealth in the, in the world? Or when Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. What is he doing? He is giving a lesson on worship. Uh, on worship. And if you go through the entire New Testament... The almost the I, I, I haven't thought it through because I only had this insight yesterday, but he is giving the the entire time Jesus is giving a lesson on worship. On worship. Now think about it because it's not only about religion. It's not only about about uh, uh, specifically something that you do in the New Testament. But think about the word worship and apply it to your entire life. What is it in your entire life that you have as a scale of what things are worth more than something else? How, how do you apply it? Because you really are applying this to your entire life. The, the word worship is being applied to things that you care about, things that you give, it, it, that you pay attention to. And consciously and, or unconsciously, you are putting things in their worth order so that you are consciously or unconsciously saying, this is worth more than this. And this more, let me put this or than this. This is more important than that. And of course, ultimately, when, when Jesus speaks about, he says, he who loves father, mother, sister, brother, more than me is not worthy of me. What's that a lesson on? Worship. On what is worthwhile. And so the insight really comes down to be all about that your entire life and the Christian life ends up being one humongous lesson on worship. Because it's all about encountering in your life 
what you are what you are doing and then stepping back and reflecting is this really worth it and making sure that you have the pattern the template that you're going to use to order that you are making sure that it is the pattern of Jesus that's basically the whole point of the Christian life to stand back from your life and to compare the things that you are attracted to and compare them to that which is worthwhile according to the Christian way of life. And so the entire way of life is ultimately about worship. Even the second reading, when Paul is talking about, he gives thanks for his sufferings because he is, he is understanding that what he is doing is he is contributing to the proclamation of the word. What Paul is basically saying is, even my sufferings are worth it. Even my sufferings are worth it. And so I've come to understand that as, as you live throughout your entire life, your daily life, one of the things that human beings have the capacity to do that animals don't have the capacity to do is to stand back and look at the things that you are spending your time on, your energy on. What are you anxious about? What do you give importance to? Okay? And to step back and to look at them through the lens of worship. Are you really giving the time, the money, the, the talent, all of that, are you giving it to things that are worthwhile? Is this more than that? And the constant, the constant of the Christian life is refining your life and looking at your life at the way you are giving importance to different things and choosing to put them in the order that Jesus is saying. That's where it comes down to. That's where it comes down. And I, I, you know, I haven't had the time to do that yet, this yet because I had this in, in, insight just hit, it hit me. But really, it's all about that. It's all about is it better to do this than this? And that's all about worship. And the reason you, the, the, the church tells you that it is important for you to come to the Eucharist each Sunday at the minimum is that you can expose yourself to the presence of the one who is ultimately worthwhile, and that is God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. When you come 
to the Eucharist. It's not, you know, we always think of worship, you know, I can imagine, I always imagine worship and being, you know, some guy sitting and or kneeling down and going, oh God, I worship, I worship, I worship. That's not what it's about. It, it, it is about, more about you than you. It, it always amazes me because we always, even when, when, when people pray, people make it about them talking to God. And that's exactly the opposite. It's not supposed to be you talking to God. The Mass, for example, is not about you talking to God. The Mass is about you listening to God so that what is worthwhile can get seep into you. That's the whole point. It's not about you, you know, saying, saying stuff or following stuff. It's about you listening so that you get marinated and you get the right hierarchy in your life. And so I, I just invite, you know, I, I was thinking, boy, you know, if you really develop this, I get you could even write a, a good article or a good book on it. You know, the, and that, that's what I'm going to entitle the, the homily. The homily is going to be titled The Art of Worship. The Art of Worship, because it is an art. And the subject matter of the art is you. You have the capacity that no animal does. You have the capacity to stand away from yourself, look at yourself, and choose the order in which what you believe is worthwhile and what it should be. What should that list look like? And that's ultimately what you're going to be judged on. Now, I always, kind of, I always tell people, in, in life, what happens to you internally and externally, internally, what I mean is <coughs> what, um, your moods or your thoughts or, or your feelings, what happens to you internally and even externally the sufferings, the joys, the things that come your way, the things that don't go your way, all of that is not what's really important. And what, what happens, excuse me, Viktor Frankl, the, the psychiatrist who survived German concentration camps, put it in a way that that's another little piece that I, I bring in that came into my mind. He said, the ultimate human freedom is the ability to choose the attitude that you will take towards your experiences. What's that another way of saying that? The ultimate human freedom is to assign the worth of everything that comes into your life. When I when I when you experience, for example, I, I get this in confession all the time. I, I hear people confessing all kinds of stuff. And then I, I say, I ask them, did you choose it? When this feeling, for example, the feeling of envy or the feeling of lust came over you, did you choose it? Oh, no, Father, I tried to reject it, but it's a sin. And I go, no, it's not. 
The sin is not what you feel, is when you choose it, when you choose to accept it and you choose to put it in a, as giving attention to it or giving it worth in your life. That's the sin. It's not whether you felt it or not felt it. Sin and virtue are not in the feelings or in the thoughts. They are in your choosing what to do with the feelings and thoughts. Because when you choose them, you are giving them worth. You are emphasizing them. You are giving them weight. Okay? And so it's even your interior life is all about worth. And when you and I enter into God's kingdom and we stand in judgment, what is going to be brought up is the way that you ultimately practice worship. In your life, what did you put first? What did you put second? And it goes on like that. That is the issue. And that is what we will be judged on. You can, and hopefully we can get to the point that we can see our entire lives as, Lord, help me to put you first and foremost in everything that I do. Okay. Ultimately, I just want to close with that prayer that's in the back. It's in the wall on the back there. A prayer of Thomas Merton. And if you haven't read it and used it, it's in the back against the wall in the sacristy, outside the sacristy. Because it's all about the same thing, worship. Thomas Merton says this, Lord, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. Nor do I know myself. And the fact that I think I'm doing your will doesn't necessarily mean that I'm actually doing it. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in everything that I am doing. I hope I never do anything outside of that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will guide me by the right road, even though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will always trust you. For even though I may be lost in the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Now notice the center. How does he understand how, how he doesn't even know he's doing God's will or not? But what's the key to solving that problem? But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. What is he saying? That is the highest worth. If I hold that desire as the most worthwhile thing that I please you and want nothing more than to please you, you will guide me by the right road. The rest of it, God will guide you. And so... What I encourage you to do is to start, I'm going to start looking at my life like this. What is it that is worthwhile? What am I spending my money on? What am I spending my time? What am I spending my emotional energy on? And the question should always be, is it worth it?
Is it worth it? And where does it fit in the order in which I am, in fact, worshiping? That's what you need to be doing in church, allowing yourself and asking the Holy Spirit to help you reflect to make sure that your worship hierarchy is in its proper order. That is true worship.